When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If you want to listen to that on the reg, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple, Spotify, and rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe. Because if you do subscribe there, you won't miss our shows when we drop them on Mondays. But speaking of Mondays, we are back. I'm back in the land of the living. Was in Las Vegas, in uh, Arizona last week. And we are back on schedule now. It is 4 p.m. on Monday. And we are recording live on YouTube. And so if you go over to the A to Z Sports National YouTube channel, and you subscribe, hit the notification bell, and tune into the show on Monday, you can quite literally participate in the show. You can get into the comments, hang out with us, and uh, we like to interact with the comments, and got some amazing listeners that uh, tune in every week. And So come be one of them, because you can uh, just be a part of the show. It's awesome. At Charlie underscore Burrs, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports. A to Z Sports.com for the stuff that Zach writes on the internet. Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville. You know where to find us. But boy, it is good to be back. Uh, my trip out west was fun. Had a really good time. Ate some good food. My wife, my wife got uh, sick from the airplane, so that was really cool. The airplane out there. Had to deal with that the entire time. Uh, but other than that, uh, we also uh, popped a tire on the interstate on a pothole. That was re- really cool. Um, and then other than... Yeah, I think that is actually the only stuff that went wrong on that trip. Otherwise, it was good. Zach, you have uh, actually been around. What's uh, what's up, man? Yeah, did you uh, did you bring back plenty of winnings? Did you win a lot of money there in Vegas? Did you gamble at all? How did that go? Because that's always the first question, you know, when somebody goes out to Vegas. I'm not a gambler. We we were there for uh, more of the food, and the we went and saw a, a stand-up comedian that I really like named Ryan Long. If you don't know him, he's hilarious. Um, and you know, it was just some stuff like that. But the gambling, yeah, we did. We put maybe put fifty bucks in a few slot machines and lost it all. <laughs> that was about all I needed in Las Vegas. That was enough gambling for me. Uh, not really my deal. Uh, yeah, it's usually my approach with that too. It's just a quick way for me to lose money. I've I've tried like some of the online poker stuff, which I'm sure that's not anything like what it is in you know an actual casino, but it is. It's not. I'm not good at it, so I know my limitations. Yeah. I I am. If if it is anything at all, I I do sports gambling with our great sponsor, Superbook Sports. Um, and I I have at times been good at that. I did have last last year, I believe, I netted money betting on 
sports uh, when I got that like sort of report that they give you at the end of the year. So I have I've been decent sometimes, but uh, most of the time it's a losing. Do, do you have a philosophy? Not to get too into the weeds on gambling or anything <laughs> like that, but do you have a philosophy when it comes to betting on Tennessee sports? Do you do it, get emotional with it, or you just stay away completely? Don't do it because I our uh, our good friend Austin Stanley. He's an emotional hedge guy. He he puts uh, he's a a bet on whoever when they're playing Tennessee just in case Tennessee loses. I just don't. I'm a I'm a completely stay away from Tennessee. I'm too. I'm I'm a little stitious. I'm not superstitious. I'm a little <laughs> stitious, and it that comes down to gambling. Uh, what can I say? Uh, but before we get into everything that we're going to talk about on today's show, I do have to tell you about. Speaking of our great sponsors, I got to tell you about them. Uh, we'll start out with Rattle and Snap Tennessee Whiskey from Longstill Distillery. Make your own luck just like Tennessee football's fast-paced Rattle and Snap offense with Rattle and Snap Tennessee Whiskey and Superbook Sports, who we've already been talking about. There's no better place to wager on your favorite sports than Superbook Sports. Go to Superbook.com and download the app today. Superbook Sports Omaha Steaks. Get $30 off your order of perfectly aged steaks, juicy burgers, and decadent desserts with our promo code VOLS. That is V-O-L-S. Omaha Steaks. And finally, Farm Bureau Health Plans. For better coverage, better rates, and better service, go to fbhp.com slash A-T-O-Z Farm Bureau Health Plans. To start the show off, I'll give you a quick rundown of what we're going to talk about. Obviously, it's going to be spring spring ball. Uh, the second scrimmage happened over the weekend. We're going to kind of give a breakdown of that, but then also preview for the spring game that is coming up. And here's the announcement here. Zach and I, at least tentatively, if there's no roadblocks that happen, we're going to be at the game. We will both be there in the press box. The Tennessee Sports Administration decided to give us two idiots press passes to this game. What are they thinking? I don't know. But uh, we are going to be there in an actual somewhat official capacity. Uh, are you looking forward to this, Zach, to, to be in there? Yeah, it's actually been a while since I've been to a Tennessee spring game. I haven't covered one in like media credentials and all that in, in a while. I've been to several regular season games. I just haven't been to the spring game. I haven't actually attended one since I think Jeremy Pruitt's first year. So it should be fun to see, obviously, like everyone else, anxious to see Nico in person and the rest of this Tennessee offense and Joe Milton too. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of good stuff that we'll, we'll see. A lot of these young players that have been receiving a lot of hype this preseason, offseason, their uh, spring practice, which we'll talk about. Excited to see them. So it should be a good time. I did cover a ton in my time when I was officially media. I think the last one that I covered was Heupel's first year uh, for A to Z Sports. Um, oh, yeah. But then there, was, there wasn't one last year, right? Because of the renovations. So Right. Yeah, there wasn't um, one. Yeah, they just had like a scrimmage that they showed on a big screen yeah, I outside. Think it, yeah, it was during a, uh, a baseball weekend. There was a big baseball weekend. I can't remember who they were playing, but I think they had like a block party set up and all that. And I can't remember if the weather was good or not, but I, uh, Danny White did, uh, you know, kind of made the best of the situation. He he did, and that's okay. Oh, look at Big Ten, Jeff. He said, it's a spring game. Thought you get press passes to the regular games. Wrong. Zach got press passes to the games during the season. Yeah, so, I went last year, uh -huh. and uh, I think we've both been to a ton of regular season yeah. Tennessee games. The, the only thing I, I I don't know the current, I mean, this is kind of shop talk. I don't know the current SID. I'm going to have to meet him. So hopefully he's a nice guy. We'll see. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, sports information director for folks that don't that have never covered sports. He's kind of the, the gatekeeper of sorts, uh, but we'll see. I, and we may do a live broadcast from there. Not totally sure what we're going to do yet. We got to strategize, but we will be there. That's going to be fun. Also on the show, 
Today, we're going to talk about how the Titans are meeting with Hinden Hooker, supposedly, according to a report. They're going to meet with him on Wednesday. And then they're also meeting with Will Levis. Please do not draft Will Levis. Please, Titans. And then other uh, NFL draft updates, including Darnell Wright getting in the DMs with some, with, uh, some NFL media and tweeting through it that we're going to talk about. That and then uh, we'll probably finish with uh, a little bit of baseball. What what else do we have on the the docket here? Yeah, a little bit of baseball. Oh, and then of course, how how could I forget about this? They're recruiting commits. We got to talk about the recruits. Two couple in the twenty four class, one in the twenty five class. We're gonna break it all down. But before we do that, I got to tell you about our first amazing sponsor, Omaha Steaks. Spring is in the air, and you know what that means, folks. Spring grilling. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to spring into something delicious with their semi-annual sale. You can get 50% off site-wide. Grab all your favorites like perfectly aged tender steaks, ocean-fresh seafood, juicy burgers, air-chilled chicken, and decadent desserts. Plus, when you go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code VOLS, that is V-O-L-S, at checkout, you'll get an additional $30 off your order. It is the perfect way to get fired up and spring into something special. Don't wait. Go to omahasteaks.com. Use promo code VOLS at checkout and take advantage of this deal. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away. And you're not, and you're going to want to hurry because 50% off site-wide is only happening for a limited time. Don't miss your chance to save. Uh, I've had them delivered straight to my door. So convenient, so tasty. You got to get your hands on some Omaha Steaks. And use promo code VOLS at checkout to get that additional $30 off. From their already awesome semi-annual sale today, minimum order baby required. That is Omaha Steaks promo code balls V O L S. All right, so spring ball second scrimmage of spring was over the weekend, and then we got the actual orange and white game coming up on Saturday, where Zach and I will be. And uh, in the scrimmage, some of the things that you heard from Heupel in his press conference, and then just from the the reports, the the sources of the people that were there. Uh, Heupel himself brought up the running backs. He emphasized them. They said that they were good. And then also that just the offense in general, you heard in that first scrimmage that the offense wasn't so hot. And then in this one, they were better. And uh, that that was sort of the notes that I heard brought up the most. Did you hear anything else from the scrimmage, Zach? I mean, really, for me, the big message was, and it really wasn't a specific message. It was just hearing Heupel and some of the coaches really throughout spring practice, the way they've talked about the improved depth. I mean, you think about this team and you think about everybody that Tennessee lost, Hendon Hooker, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, Darnell Wright, Byron Young, the list goes on. I mean, a ton of great players that they lost, but really going into 2023, it feels like this team is deeper across the board like yeah you've lost some of those stars but you have guys that that you hope can step up you hope joe milton obviously can can be in that hendon hooker role and, and play to that level you hope that maybe Stora white steps into that jalen hyatt role and and so on just the depth that this team has you talked about the running back room i remember going into last year us talking about okay yeah if jalen wright or, or jabari small goes down that that room could be in a lot of trouble after they lost a couple of uh, kids that transfer, you know, Tyon Evans had left. And now it's a position of strength where you've got two clear top three guys in Jalen Wright, Jabari Small, and Dylan Sampson. And, you know, really Jalen Wright looks to probably be the lead guy out of that. I think he's going to overtake Jabari Small this season. Then you got Cam Selden and Deshaun Bishop, who uh, Josh Heupel's really talked up a lot. So a lot of depth in that room, which is 
nice because we saw, you know, Jabari Small got banged up at times last year. Dylan Sampson struggled in pass protection early in the year. Jalen Wright's had some ball security issues at times. I mean, he played much better and ran a lot more physically last season. But you still had you, you could have used some of that depth last year. So I think that's encouraging offensive line depth. I mean, you lose Darnell Wright and Jerome yeah. Carbon, but you're also deeper at the offensive line. I don't know if you'll have a guy that plays to Darnell Wright's level necessarily, but it does feel like they can rotate guys there a lot more easily than they could have last year. And the same goes for the defensive line as well. You lose Byron Young, but you, you've got some nice depth there stepping up. Josh Heupel referenced how he feels like there's a lot of things different that they can do with the defensive line this year as far as rotating guys out. I mean, they'd like to have like eight to ten defensive linemen that they can rotate in and out to really be where they want to be with the way that Tennessee's defense kind of has to play in real, uh, complementary football with the offense. You know, as quick as the offense is often, even on a successful drive, the offense can be off the field and you know, less than five minutes real time uh, pretty often. That's taxing on the defense. So across the board, I think the depth is the biggest thing for Tennessee. And that's to be expected. I mean, that's where Tennessee should be going into the third season. It takes time to build that depth. You're finally kind of starting to see it get there. Absolutely. It's it's encouraging that there are options to choose from. Yeah, even even in that discussion about the offensive line, I think that's the one that most people have been wondering about if you are following things closely just because you lost so much there and and yeah i mean you have multiple pieces to choose from it some of them have been banged up i know even this week like ollie lane was out and then of course you had cooper may's been out and you have um some other things like that but then they've been trying to figure out uh jj crawford and gerald mincy and all these and you go down the list the, tr- the transfers andre carrick and john campbell and you actually have options and that's <laughs> encouraging even though you lost uh potentially the best right tackle in the sec uh you know you, you still can probably get it figured out and that's always nice i i think we may have found i i don't know i, I this is this is going to sound negative but really i i mean this positively because i do think long term this kid could be a really fun player but i think we may have found the emergent spring player that you hear absolutely nothing about when the season actually starts do, do you know who i'm gonna say mm, offense or defense it's on offense mm, i mean my I'm, I'm assuming maybe bishop because we've heard yeah. so much about <laughs> <Yes>. him <laughs> exactly deshaun bishop hypo brought i believe hypo brought him up in that press conference yeah he's he's running back and i like i like this kid a lot let me just say um Kind of, it's just funny anecdote about Deshaun Bishop. I have a, a kid that's like done some landscaping for me. It's like a family friend's son um, who's done landscaping for me. And he played with Deshaun Bishop at Carnes. He's a Knoxville kid and just like, was like, oh, he's so good. He's so good. You know, he was telling me about Deshaun Bishop. Then ultimately he goes to Tennessee. So I've been hearing about Deshaun Bishop for a while. And then now in spring ball, he's getting, uh, getting hyped up. And I, I will put it this way. I hope. Deshaun Bishop doesn't become a big factor in the season because that means some dudes got hurt, I think. Uh, and that's that's why I mean, like, th- this might sound bad on the surface, but I absolutely mean no offense there at all. I think long term he could be a, a good player for Tennessee. But he, I again, I don't think during the actual season you're going to see much out of him, but he's, I, I love that he's getting his name brought up and, and it's really awesome. Uh, then also, uh, Cam, yeah, Mr. Jones says it in the comments here, Cam Selden was brought up too with that position. So 
that's encouraging. You got dudes to choose from. What what a time that we probably thought we weren't going to see for quite a while at Tennessee. They they actually have some depth in year three with Heupel. So that's nice. Um, but yeah, any, think, anything else from the scrimmage before we move on to the spring game? Well, I think when it comes to Heupel praising somebody like Bishop and some of these other young guys, it's not when, – when Josh Heupel is praising a true freshman, it's not the same as when he's praising an upperclassman that they're expecting to start. I mean, it's two different ex- levels of expectation there. And I think we saw that with Nico a little bit this past week. The hype for Nico was starting to build and build. And Tennessee fans know that Joe Milton's the guy. Joe Milton's going to be the guy unless he gets hurt or he just falls flat on his face in 2023, which which none of us expect. But, you know, anything is possible. But Heupel's been talking really great about uh, a Nico. And you've seen some of these other national media outlets start kind of trying to force their – force this narrative that there's going to be a quarterback battle in this decision that Tennessee has to make. And that's, that's just not the case. I mean, it's Joe Milton. He's been in this offense. This is his third year. It's so important that you know this offense back and forth, like like the back of your hand before you go out there and operate it. You saw Hendon Hooker get so much more efficient at running it the longer he was in it. And, and there's no substitute for that experience. So when Heupel's praising Nico, it's more about in relation to Nico being a true freshman and still being very young in his football career. And after the last scrimmage, Hypo kind of – he didn't necessarily say that, but he did point out, like, hey, you know, Nico's still got a long way to go before – and that's not a bad thing. He should have a long way to go. It, it That's a lot for – he should still be in high school. We've said it a ton. He should be in his spring semester of high school right now. He's got a lot to learn, a long way to get there. You hope that he doesn't have to see the field uh, this season unless it's in garbage time. But I think that's something people need to understand a little bit is that the praise for a true freshman does not necessarily mean that that guy's going to come out and be a starter uh, in 2023 or, or even play a big role. I mean, it just means they're seeing good things from him so far. I mean, I think you heard all you needed to hear uh, on the report that came out of that scrimmage. He fumbled the football. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he's a bust, you know, sail him down the river. <laughs> he's done, <laughs> but he did that. That was real. I'm not making that up. I believe he did. He fumbled and he like recovered it himself. I don't know. I read a bunch of stuff as much as I could about that scrimmage. So I'm going to assume that's true. No, I, you're exactly right. He, the best case scenario is that Nico doesn't play this season and, and that Milton is, uh, is the guy I, I would say of Milton this off season. I feel about him in, in a very real way. I feel about him the way that I was really hoping he would be in that first season with Heupel. You know, you heard a lot of hype about him. He's huge. He's got a Cam Cam Newton type of build. And he's, you know, an, an arm that can chuck the ball 10 miles, which that was true back then. But now he's got a little more honed in, it seems like. Uh, you know, we were really excited. And I think this offseason, I feel about Joe Milton in a realistic way, the way that I was hoping he would be in that first season with Heupel. And so um, hopefully that does come to fruition. And we don't have to worry about the whole Nico Milton debate because that would mean that Joe is not playing so hot. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll go from there. But uh, as far as the orange-white game goes, I, I like this. Austin Anderson says, how much do I got to donate to get into the press box? I, honestly, for me, I created my own website uh, and, and just like made nice with the sports information director, and eventually they let me in years ago. And so I've, and then through A to Z, I've kept that door open. So, it's maybe more about time donation than it is about money donation. But actually, hey, I'll, I'll put it this way. 
Tennessee will let you do almost anything at the right price, I think. So, uh, you know, maybe there's it, <laughs> it's kind of insane there. the the level, the level of media attention that like local media attention that Tennessee gets when you see some of these other media scrums, even for their SEC programs, like the media uh, grouping at Tennessee is. I mean, you go look at Missouri, for example, it pales in comparison. And even some of the bigger, like Big Ten and ACC schools, it's not even close. It is, uh, it's pretty wild. It's almost like covering the Patriots or something. I imagine, you know, you go in that media room and it's just full of people. It's, it's pretty wild. It really is crazy. Um, the, yeah, that, that's a whole different kind of, Something honestly, I could do a whole podcast on Tennessee media. It's yeah. a wild, wild thing. I think we both have some interesting stories from our time in media at Tennessee. But yeah, it is kind of ridiculous how many media members there are. I mean, case in point, they're letting us in the door for this. <laughs> is that all you really need to know, right there? Um, but as far as the the orange and white game goes, I'll just sort of throw it to you initially here, Zach. What are you looking for? Because it's it's always a toss up. We don't know exactly how it's going to be conducted. And that's a huge part of it. You know, what, what exactly are they going to do? Because Butch used to do this ridiculous no. stuff where they would a point Final system. You literally like couldn't understand 310 to 160 <laughs> or something. And then they would, they would have these intermissions where they like ran drills and you know, who knows exactly the form that it's going to take. I would like for it to just be, you know, a football game. That would be cool. But uh, most schools don't do that. But what are you looking out for when when we're uh, there on the sidelines, Zach? I think my main thing is uh, the secondary, of course. Like that was the weakest point of this team a year ago. You really want to see some progress made there. Uh, specifically, I think Danico Slaughter is, is an interesting guy to watch where he's kind of moving full time to cornerback. He finished the year there. Willie Martinez mentioned last week that he only played like a handful of snaps at cornerback last spring. Didn't play any there during uh, fall camp uh, and into the regular season during practice. Tennessee got in a pinch. They needed to move somebody over there. They just kind of threw Slaughter over there. Yeah, he had some not-so-great moments like all of Tennessee secondary, but he also just wasn't very familiar with the position. So now that he's had a, a full offseason of making that transition, really, I mean, we already know he's a hard hitter. He's a physical player. Uh, obviously, you saw that when he played safety. Interested to see how he progresses this season. If he can progress and really become a strength there in that secondary, that'll be huge for Tennessee. And as far as watching the secondary, it's it's kind of hard to gauge going against Tennessee's offense because of the you know the uniqueness of Tennessee's offense. If the second if guys in the secondary are just getting beat like one on one in man coverage, I don't think that's a huge deal. If you're seeing Danico Slaughter get beat by Squirrel White or something because Squirrel's so so fast. You don't want to see those broken coverages where they're not communicating well. They're in the right place. As long as they're in the right place, that's kind of what you hope to see in this spring game, I think. Yeah, marginal improvement there for sure. I mean, vast improvement would be really nice. Obviously, be looking for some of the newcomers. I, at this point, I'm not even sure who's 100% healthy, who's not. But, you know, in, in terms of the DBs, Gabe, Judy, Lolly, and, you know, you mentioned Slaughter, whole whole set of young guys there two that are that are newbies that you want to see maybe where they're at um I, I like austin's answer here he said linebackers defensive backs and offensive line i think the offensive line we've already mentioned something that people are definitely going to be watching but that's have a nice depth there linebacker too. now yeah linebacker. At linebacker that that one is big because you got the transfer from byu um you have uh, oh yeah aaron beasley and 
then Harry, you sort of are like Elander, some young guys that can yeah you know, really had good springs. Where where do you go after that? Because you have heard different things about uh, some of the guys on the depth chart there. For sure. I mean, everywhere on defense is important. You lost Byron Young on the defensive line. Where are they going there? Like, who who is going to step up? Who's going to take that leap where you you're where you want to see it out of? I mean, I'm, I was trying to think out on the defense who really made that leap this season. It was kind of a group effort uh, in this past season when they were better. Of course, they. And a few games got absolutely sliced apart, but, um, you know, Byron Young, I think Byron Young is a great example. Obviously he's ended up, he's now an NFL prospect. Who's going to be on this defense. Um, the person that steps up or maybe the people that step up, it'd be great. If, uh, <laughs> if everybody could, I would like that. Um, but who, who is that going to be? And then obviously the offensive line, I wish that we could see, the set of wide receivers, it looks like there's going to be injuries there. Squirrel White ha- is banged up to some extent, I believe I saw. Dante Thornton has been too. So who knows to I what think, extent everybody's going to be able to go. I, I think, though, with that, Mr. Jones there asked what three wide receivers, you know, do you see Tennessee starting? I mean, they're open to playing four if they have to, depending on their personnel and what kind of matchups they can work, depending on the tight ends and how they feel about that. But it, it's probably more likely that you'll see that three wide receiver set most often. I think Brew McCoy is is penciled in there and just because of his playing style and it's unique. He's kind of the short yardage guy, can break tackles and fight for those extra yards. Now, Brew Keaton, won't be playing in the spring game, I believe, because right. he had knee stuff. Yeah, I don't think he's done much at all this spring. Yeah. And then Ramel Keaton is the guy that my God, man, it sounds like the way he stepped up as a veteran leader, he almost has to be on the field because that's, I mean, he proved his worth last season, made, made some huge catches. Uh, I don't know if Tennessee, you know, gets the momentum and wins that game against Florida if he doesn't catch make that diving catch before halftime or, you know, the catch against Alabama to get him in field goal range uh, on, the, on the first play of that last drive. I mean, he made some massive plays for Tennessee. I think he'll be in there is one of the go-to guys. So it might be Squirrel White and Dante Thornton, you know, rotating a little bit there out of the slot. I know they can move both of those guys around, especially Thornton, to create some mismatches. So these things usually work themselves out, too. Like, they're not going to be 100% all season. You might see them, you know, flip-flopping drives a little more than they did last season with their personnel, where maybe Squirrel White gets a couple series than Thornton or just whoever has the hot hand that game. I don't know how they'll manage it, but – I think it's pretty clear that those four guys are a little bit above everybody else on the roster, even though some of the young guys like like Nathan Leacock have been having, you know, good springs and have received a lot of praise from Josh Heupel and Kelsey Pope and, and other offensive coaches. But I imagine those four are pretty much locked in and you'll see a various combinations there. Like John Hill says, smash that like button. Please do. If you feel so inclined, if you are enjoying the show, hit that like button on the YouTube or Facebook stream, wherever you might be watching. But he said, BYU fellas should be fun to watch. Keenan, Pe- Keenan Peely gave Judy Lolly both at linebacker and uh, defensive back, respectively. There, yeah, I, I mean, love it, Judy Lolly's mentality. Yeah, coming in, that dude's all business. Yes, uh, I I think there's some real potential with both of those dudes. Uh, Austin says he'll be watching Nathan Laycock, wide receiver. Um, I mean, just take take your pick there. I I think something honestly. This probably going to be 
potentially the most interesting thing out of all of it is probably Nico. I mean, it's such a such a straightforward kind of normie answer, I guess, as far as this goes. But seriously, how exciting is this? The, you you have, I mean, the number one overall recruit from the last recruiting class period is at the University of Tennessee. He has so much hype. Yes, we I think we've all sort of established like Milton is the guy until they have a good reason for him not to be. But just to see him, I think, interact with the, the, the first opportunity that he'll have to interact with fans at large. Fans where it's going to be a lot of people around. And, and I don't know what all access they're going to give fans if there will be any interaction at all. I, I honestly haven't. Is there a uh, autograph signing period or anything like that? I don't think I've seen it. I, I apologize. I should probably know that. But like I said, we're going as media. We're not going as fans. So Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I know they used to do that, obviously. And it'd be they did. Lengthy lines. But this... um. Is this the? Did they have a spring game in 2021, or was COVID wiped that out? Yeah, I was. I was there. I was. No, there. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Hypo's first one. I don't. I can't yeah. remember if they did it there or not. Maybe since COVID, that's something that kind of got ushered out. But yeah. But e- either way, he just has so much charisma, and you know, he's just he's just that dude. And I I want to see how he plays, what kind of swagger he comes out with, if he. If he comes out and looks like nervous, maybe in that in that first game, which I would say, I would. <laughs> if I you was in that be. position. Yeah, I mean, you I, gotta have a little bit of nerves. Sure. How do you not when you have kind of the, I guess pressure is the right word. When you have the pressure that he's had put on him, all the expectations. Um, I mean, it, it really, yeah, it uh, it could be daunting. So we'll we'll see exactly how he responds, but. Um, as far as that goes, anything else with the orange and white game before we move on? It's a little bit of Hinden Hooker talk, Darnell Wright talk. We're going to discuss his Twitter DMs, mm. which have drawn some controversy these last couple of weeks. But anything else, Zach? Yeah, I'll be interested. To see, I'm always interested to see who comes back for these kind of things. Uh, yeah, that can kind of tell you the hype around the team and, and how everybody feels about it, what former players are in town to, to check things out. That's always fun to see. We got a, a real wise guy in the comments here he says who cares about the balls besides you two i don't know you go look at the numbers on this show it's a few more people besides us too well he did check um, in here to check things out so him as well hey, i mean you're exactly you're here i don't know <laughs> you tell me <laughs> um well maybe he wants to hear some uh some nfl talk and we're gonna do that Right after I tell everybody about uh, our next great sponsor, which is Rattle and Snap Tennessee Whiskey. Uh, where's my read? Here it is. Few things go better with a Tennessee sports victory and an awesome whiskey. And uh, if you tuned in to me and Jonathan Crompton on the game day shows this past season, you saw us drink a victory whiskey after every game. And that whiskey was always the great. Rattle and Snap Tennessee Select Straight Whiskey. Logstill Distillery has released a new Tennessee whiskey product line called Rattle and Snap Tennessee Whiskey, named after a long-forgotten game of chance. Rattle and Snap is a whiskey for those who make their own luck. There is a four-year and an eight-year version. Here's a four-year version right here. Beautiful bottle, an even more beautiful whiskey grape for your favorite cocktails to drink straight. Uh, if you saw me on the live stream with Jonathan Crompton, I drank it not just straight, but straight out of the bottle a lot. <laughs> and uh, it is very, very tasty. You can find it in stores across the state of Tennessee. It's also available in Kentucky, Indiana, and Mississippi. So run, don't walk to get yourself some rattle and snap whiskey 
for those Tennessee sports victories. They'll be back before you know it. Uh, well, I guess baseball is still going on, although we're, we're going to talk about everything that's happening with them near the end of the show today and whether uh, we should be, I don't know if panic mode is the right word, but concerned, I would say, because they lost yet another series this weekend. Uh, now, to the Vols in uh, the NFL draft. Um, we're we're going to really, obviously, this is a A to Z Sports Nashville is our parent company with this podcast, and they do broadcast every day about the Titans, and the Titans are in the state of Tennessee. Uh, and so uh, I will say they are set to meet with Will Levis today, I believe, or no, uh, maybe tomorrow. And then on Wednesday, the report that I saw was that they're set to meet with Hinden Hooker. Correct me if I'm wrong on any of that. That's just what I, it was on Twitter. All those NFL reporters just say that stuff. You don't ever really hear what comes of those things. But I'll put it this way. If the Titans take Will Levis, uh, and and even, like, I, I think Hinden Hooker will be available a little bit down the road. I'm not sure he's going to be a first-round pick. It's, there's sort of, you know, a little bit of talk in, in a bunch of different ways there with Hooker because people are concerned about his injury, yada, yada. I think we all know. Um, but if they draft Will Levis, especially if that, like, number 11 spot, just send me off a cliff, please. <laughs> I don't know. But with that said, if Hinton Hooker is still available at a later point because people get spooked by his injury, please, Titans. I, I, God, I love Hinton Hooker. I love his work ethic. Uh, obviously I am extremely biased and, and uh, I'm seeing everything through orange colored glasses, but I would love to see that man in a Titans Jersey. Although I doubt I will. Yeah. the It's really tough to project where Hendon Hooker will go. It's always tough with the quarterbacks. I always think about you know, speaking of the Titans Malik Willis last season. I mean, we saw him in mock drafts going to the Panthers in the top 10, the Steelers. I think they had like the number 24 pick and they ended up passing on take Kenny Pickett falls all the way down to the third round. So, so much of the stuff you hear right now, you really don't know what's accurate, what's not. But just the body of work from Hendon Hooker and Will Levis, when you compare the two and you take out how hard Will Levis throws the ball or how far he can throw it and any of that stuff, there's really no comparison for me when it comes to Hooker and Levis. Now, I'm not going to put Hooker in that Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud category just yet. Uh I think Bryce Young, to me, is the clear best quarterback in the draft. I mean, just look at what he did to Tennessee, a lot of other games. He's a legit superstar, uh, his size aside. Between Hooker and Levis, like it seems like a no-brainer. Levis was a turnover machine. He didn't keep his composure well at times. He would appear frustrated when things didn't go his way. Didn't make the right decisions all the time. Threw an interception like one every 28 passes, I think, this past season, where Hooker's was, I think, like one in every 60, 59, 60 passes or something like that. Uh, I mean, even Joe Milton has a better you know interception ratio than Will Levis. I, I, I've never really understood the love for Will Levis, and maybe this is another situation where he's a guy that falls to the second or third round where they're just trying to, trying to hype him up to conceal their draft plans. I think that does happen quite often. I'm interested to see where Hooker goes, though. I mean, there's a lot of teams out there where he'd be an ideal fit. I mean, the Detroit Lions, the Minnesota Vikings, the Seattle Seahawks, several of these teams that Tampa Bay Buccaneers that have later picks, need some 
need a quarter. They have a quarterback maybe right now, but it's not really like their franchise guy where you could bring Hooker in and let him compete for that job, sit a little bit because of the knee injury and maybe win the job going into the next offseason. I mean, there's several scenarios there that make a lot of sense for Hooker. And the Titans are a similar situation as that with Ryan Tannehill and not really having a clear answer since that doesn't appear to be Willis and they let Josh Dobbs go back to the Browns. Um, I could certainly see the Titans being interested, but I don't, I don't think they'd be interested that high in the first round. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I mean, outside of the, the Titans and just kind of dropping that part of it, we've had this discussion in the last few weeks, honestly, numerous times at this point, but I still just don't get it. What, what do people see in the kid from Kentucky? What do, what am I missing? How, what, what? Maybe when you meet this kid in person, there's like something different. And, and that happens sometimes, you know, I, I feel like people, I, maybe I'm a decent example of this. Like people maybe watch this show and I'm pretty like exuberant, enthusiastic, and I'm kind of loud. And then you meet me in real life and I'm kind of, I'm reserved. I'm a more reserved person in a big social setting, things like that. Maybe it's that. It's like he projects one thing on a football field. And then when you actually get him behind closed doors, he actually like pulls it together and seems better. I I don't know because, yeah, what we've seen is a turnover machine got his head beat in by Tennessee. And what we've seen from Hinton Hooker is an, an incredible leader who barely ever threw an interception and who has shown great ability and great poise and great uh, maturity and all, you know, just pick your, your thing there. The, the kid had it all. He even, he even wrote a children's book. <laughs> you know, he's like, Hinton Hooker is is such a great dude but then also a, a great quarterback and i i just don't see it you said i mean with bryce young sure i i completely see it cj stroud oh, of course i see it but i and i you know people bring up anthony richardson here in the comments i i don't know that i see it there he's been linked to the titans too please please no at least i, think oh, well, I, I don't know i don't richardson his, his is... ceiling's high yeah, he has a high ceiling. We have we don't have enough info on him yet. He just he had the the one year here at Florida, and we didn't really see enough from him. I feel like he has the potential there. I wouldn't want to use a top ten pick on him because I think it's a severe boomer bust potential type situation with yeah. him. With Levis, there's a little bit more to go on. And, and I'll tell you, I like Anthony Richardson's demeanor better than Levis's. With and I could be totally wrong here, but the vibe I get from Levis is a very Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, where he's trying to be a leader. He's trying to say the right things. He's very aware of his actions and how they'll be perceived. And he's like, I don't want to say putting on an act. It just doesn't feel genuine. Whereas Hendon Hooker is more of that just he's himself. And we've seen these, he's had multiple sound bites, you know, where they kind of go viral, not even like because he was trying to i mean they just go viral because it's a very genuine reaction where he's talking about his wide receivers getting open and he can't help that or talking about playing with a chip on his shoulder at tennessee because of disrespect there's all these little moments that just seem very genuine coming from him and i think that's why tennessee players were so willing to follow him and why joe milton even as his direct competition was so willing to follow him last season and that's an intangible that you really can't you can't quantify it with numbers at the combine or watching them throw. And it's, it's, it's the thing that Joe Burrow has. And I'm not, 
I'm not trying to compare Hendon Hooker to Joe Burrow. I know we went down that road a little bit during the season last year. Joe Burrow is a superstar in his own right. Uh, but he does have that leader, that natural leadership ability, and several other guys in the NFL do as well. And I feel like Hooker has that. Doesn't mean that he's going to go in the NFL and light it up. If you've kept up with the NFL draft at all over the years, you know projecting what quarterbacks will do is nearly impossible. Uh, we've seen so many can't-miss guys end up being bust. It happens all the time. So you don't want to put those expectations on Hooker either way. I just see some of those intangibles that I think make him a better fit for an NFL team than Will Levis. Yeah, I completely agree. Because I, <laughs> I, I don't know, a weird part of it from a foundational level is like Hooker – would be older than a lot of the guys on the team already and kind of come installed that way, which that, that could also be a little hazardous, I guess, you know, just because he'd be an old rookie like that, but still he, he has those leadership intangibles that I just don't see with Levis. It just seems fake and kind of manufactured and just, you know, even, even in sort of the stunts that he's done, like the whole like mayonnaise and the coffee and like eating a banana with the peel still on, still on it. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? What is this? I, I don't get it, but Lord knows maybe he'll go into the pros and just prove us all wrong. And then we're going to look. So oh, yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible. Whatever. I, I mean, as of right now, I, for you, him going to the Colts and doing that would be a nightmare scenario. Oh boy. Yeah, please, please know. Although what, what I would love is if he got drafted by the Colts and then he was exactly what we think he's going to be. That would be, so it's, yeah. it's a little, there's boomer bust potential there, you know, <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. like uh, Anthony Richardson. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, either way, we'll we'll just time will tell as far as that goes. Who really knows what will happen there? But I'm certainly rooting for Hinden Hooker and Titans. Don't you dare draft Will Levis. I swear to you. Although I saw, I think Elias Gray, he said the scariest scenario that I heard. Yeah, here it is. Scariest thing I heard was trading up to grab Anthony Richardson. Mm. No, 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 no. Do no, <laughs> not not on somebody that's that risky of a prospect. Ah, uh, uh, it's a really tough spot for the Titans to be in. Not to get in, into too much Titans talk here, but to need a quarterback where you know Ryan Tannehill obviously is his time's running out in Nashville. His time as an NFL player is nearing its end. I mean, obviously he's not not a spring chicken anymore. Titans need a quarterback. They need a quarterback to the future, and they're sitting there with the number 11 pick where there's not really an obvious guy that you want to trade up for in this draft. I mean, even Bryce Young has question marks with his size. Uh, C.J. Stroud might be the more sure option. It's hard to know for sure, again, projecting what they'll they'll do. Outside of those two guys, even with those two guys, it's not a Joe Burrow-type situation or an Andrew Luck-type situation where you know this guy is pretty much a can't-miss prospect. There's so much yet to be seen with with both of those guys. And then, obviously, Hooker, Levis, and Richardson, a lot of questions there. So what do you do if you're the Titans? You just pass, take an offensive lineman, maybe try to grab somebody in the second or third round, which you tried to do last season with Malik Willis, and that didn't really work out. It's kind of that... NFL purgatory that the Titans are in right now. They're not a bad team, but they're not about to compete for a Super Bowl either. And that's kind of the worst place to be. Like, I almost feel like just just tank, go get a top draft pick, try to get Caleb Williams next year, and, you know, move forward that way. I think you you could find success much quicker than trying to just tread water and, and keep improving and retooling instead of rebuilding, as they like to say. 
that probably is the right answer. I'm I'll be fascinated to see how all that goes. I don't think I've even said it so far for anybody that might be a new watcher. Obviously, I'm a giant Titans fan, along with being a giant Vols fan. Um, but uh, I yeah, I think an offensive lineman and and you know, packing it in for a quarterback next season is probably the move, especially now that you got Jeffrey Simmons locked in. But uh, you know, that's that's for a different show on this network. I'll let them uh litigate that. But while we're talking about NFL draft analysis, um, let's talk about Darnell Wright. Um, oh, yeah. This is an interesting one. So there is a, I guess, would you call this guy media? Uh, he's, it seems like this guy is media in the way that we are media. His entire, he has about the same amount of like followers as we do. I think you probably have more Twitter followers than this guy does, Zach. But his name is Willie Lutz. He covers the Bengals for some for a podcast that he does. Same old stripes podcast, whatever that is for the Bengals. So not like he's not like a newspaper reporter or or like somebody at Pro Football Focus or anything like that. But he uh, posted on Twitter earlier today a direct message that was exchanged with Tennessee offensive lineman or former Tennessee offensive lineman, Darnell Wright. Darnell was replying to a tweet of Willie Lutz's. Uh, Willie said this, Darnell Wright is a pure right tackle and has no business playing left tackle, which I would completely disagree. The guy played left tackle for an entire season at Tennessee, I believe his junior season. Mm -hmm. um, so he can do both. I think we he gave up just three sacks on 922 snaps in 2021. Yeah. So exactly. He <laughs> that's stupid analysis, Willie Lutz. Let's start there. But regardless, um Dar Darnell Wright. I, I, I don't necessarily have anything against this guy. I just disagree with that thing. But uh Darnell Wright took that and replied to it in a direct message on Twitter. And he said, <laughs> I I can't say all this is a family show. I can't say everything. <laughs> <Is it? laughs> It's that's true. Is it really? But I, I won't in, just in case. Darnell replied to him and he said, you are a pure expletive. What year did you play to say somebody has any business doing anything? Uh, and then this Willie Lutz guy, he tweeted out a picture of that exchange. Um, so. I'll, I'll I'll just say it to to you, Zach. What is your initial thought on this, and then I'll I'll give my take. I think we're probably on the same page here. But what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I kind of just laughed at first, and then I thought, okay, if this like let's be honest with myself, if this was Stetson Bennett, we would be giving him down the road over this and talking about what a terrible look it is. But at the same time, Darnell Wright is never been a problem at Tennessee, not even close to being a problem. Um, the closest that he ever was to being a problem, if you can even say that, is when some people thought he might transfer, you know, after 2020, and he did not. And those, I mean, those rumors just kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, otherwise, he's pretty much keep, keeps his head down and, and lets his play on the field do the talking. So it was kind of surprising to see that frustration come from him. But, it, you know, I, I don't want to give him a pass because I think he should have just ignored it and let it roll off his back. I think you have that when you're an athlete. It's tough to get some of those criticisms. And, and Darnell Wright's not a guy that received a lot of criticism over the last two years. I mean, he played really well, especially this past season. 
if, if anything, it's been nothing but praise for him. So this wasn't, I mean, I think everybody pretty much agrees though that, yeah, he can play left tackle, but he's best suited to play right tackle. I think an NFL team that drafts him will want him at right tackle. And there are several NFL teams, <laughs> including, oddly enough, the Bengals, that need a right tackle. Uh, Chiefs, several teams uh, could use a right tackle. I, I think he should have just let it go. But in his defense, he did come back later. He apologized. He posted the screenshots of the follow-up direct message with, with Willie Lutz and they worked it all out. So I will say kudos to him, you know, for to Darnell Wright for owning up to his mistake. I, I don't know if he'd have done it if it wasn't posted publicly, uh, obviously. But <laughs> I think he handled it after the fact as well as he could have. He probably should have just let it go to begin with, though. That's what I would have done. Yeah, this sort of hits me in a few different ways. I think on one hand, I think it's proof that Darnell Wright, he's got that dog in him. He just... Look at the way he plays football. I think that's obvious. It shows up mm-hmm. in the way that he plays on on the field. Um, and he's just not taking crap off anybody at the same time. Yeah, it's a sign of immaturity. It's a sign of just like something stupid. Like, yeah, you shouldn't do that. It, we all sort of get that. But I also look at it and I laugh and I go like, dot, you know, he got this guy. That's funny. Like I, so I just, I kind of come at it from different angles. At the end of the day, yeah, this is going to be a sign of immaturity to NFL scouts. Um, but should it be? I mean, you don't think that these NFL players are sending messages to their teammates and to their friends when they see something in the media that we hear yeah. or whoever has a podcast or a website says? I mean, and they're like, look at this, you know, jackass. I can't believe he said this about me. He's never played it. Like, these are conversations that are happening between players. This one just happened to be published. So I don't think... I don't take it as a sign of immaturity necessarily from Darnell Wright or, or any other player that does it. Cause I think it's just human nature to some extent. Obviously he's got to show some restraint there. And I think if he knew that that guy would have posted the DM publicly, which I would not do. I, I don't think that's a good look uh, to post messages uh, with athletes without their kind of consent publicly. Cause that just kind of, goes against the ethics even though with this new media and these lines get blurred and it's not the traditional type of media and journalism that we saw for years i still think that's a line that you probably shouldn't cross uh to be honest yeah i do not love that and then he he followed it up the guy the willie lutz guy he he posted that direct message and then underneath it he said and just like that darnell wright is off my board for the Bengals, which that's your own mistake because as you're saying there, I mean, what what players behind closed doors don't say stuff like this? Where you would go, like, I mean, we we say stuff when when we're off here about things that we read and see that we don't say on here. Obviously, everybody does. You all do it. We all do that type of stuff. And yeah, I'm sure they see criticism from draft analysts and to each other behind closed doors. They go, screw that guy. He's an idiot. This is stupid. And yeah, I mean, you, you do run a little of foul, the, the direct messaging the guy. I, I, I would say I do agree with you. It's not necessarily a sign of immaturity. It could be, but it's not necessarily that. Um, and then, yeah, him posting it publicly on Twitter is not cool and not great. Um, and so I... Yeah, at the end of the day, here's the bottom line for Donald Wright. He'll just go out there and prove it on the football field because he, yeah, he was not a problem at Tennessee. Honestly, he was 
probably the most reliable dude on that football team for his entire time at Tennessee. Yeah, was, he's always his, out there. His consistency was unbelievable. That that's his biggest selling point, probably. If if it's not just his pure, you know, straight up play, his general consistency of just always being available. He was was he ever injured? I don't. I'd have to go back and look. But you know, some things like that. Like he just was never a problem. Even you know, I know he didn't miss any games during the hypo era. Yeah, at, at least. Um, and so I, I played in, in the Orange Bowl. Played in the Orange Bowl when he could have easily set out. Too. Yes. And so I, I, I just think the play is going to speak for itself. Any any team that sees this and goes like, "Oh no, this guy's off the board." That's stupid. Oh, the Bengals uh, would love to have him, but he'll never exactly. Fall. <laughs> I think they have the number twenty eight pick. I mean, Darnell Wright's. I mean, he's in that range now where he's going to like the Patriots at 14 or the Packers at 15. I mean, he's probably going to be a top 20 pick at least. Somebody might trade up to get him too. The the Titans at 11. Maybe. Not probably not. (laughs) Well, maybe. You never know. I'd love it. They need a a tackle. (laughs) Yeah, they need need every position across the offensive line, frankly. Um, But yeah, the play will speak for itself. Yeah, and he did. Like, I'm looking... Darnell posted a follow-up. He said, I was probably a little heavy on the expletive on the what? part. <laughs> on the, uh, yeah, that part. Uh, there's really no a, delicate way to put that. There's not. There's no good way to say what he said because it's a, it's a little bit of an off-the-wall. Uh, Which, uh, personally, those are the type of things that make me laugh when it's a really I know. out of nowhere. <laughs> exactly. That's why I said. At least he was a little creative in his insult. Yeah. Uh, he said, maybe I was a little heavy on that part. Apologize for that. Looking at what you said, you were probably defending me a bit when you said it was just frustrating when the when the game's all you love. It's all good, though. Maybe I'll be in Cincy in the next month and we can do a podcast. And the guy that kind of made niceties, of yeah. course, this guy apo- apologized. Of course he did. He's not going to actually stick by his guns. He said, man, I love what you do on the football field. I do kind of feel like an ass for minimizing that. You know, he he came correct, too. So... Everybody apologizes and yada, yada. At the end of the day, if you pass up on Darnell Wright because of something he said in a Twitter DM, you are an idiot. And uh, he is arguably the best uh, offensive lineman in this entire draft class. And if you can't see that from his play on the field, whatever. Yeah, I mean, Will Anderson, Alabama edge rusher, probably didn't go top five in the draft, said that that was the best offensive line he played against in, in college football. There's been other... Analyst was it Bucky Brooks? Might have been somebody else. I, I don't want to misspeak, but said he could be the best player in the draft, which obviously pretty high praise. We'll see. There's a lot that has to play out before you can even uh, figure all that out. Who the best player in the draft was? But I mean, you know, he played at a really high level, went up against some really elite competition, and more than held his own last season. I think there's potential for him to easily be a a Ramon Foster type of dude. A long tenured, just solid, consistent dude in the NFL. I would say his his college career suggests that possibility heavily to me. Will he be like the best offensive lineman in the NFL? I do not know, but I, I think just what we've seen in college, he could absolutely be something like that and and be somebody that Tennessee fans can be really, really proud of. And this isn't gonna put no. some kind of stain on that. It's it's college kid stuff and it's you know, whatever. I'm more interested um, to see where Jerome Carvin goes, to be honest, because that yeah. guy, I feel like, is so underrated. I mean, he played both guard spots, can play center, the versatility. I, I don't think he allowed a sack last season. If so, it was just one. 
while he was playing guard for Tennessee. He's a guy that wasn't even invited to the combine. Talking about going round six, maybe round seven. I think, I, he, again, I don't think he's going to be like a perennial pro bowler type guy, but I think he's a guy that can have a long career in the NFL as a starter. I hope so. I'm I'm especially rooting for him because of how much of sort of an unsung He's a good hero. dude, too. Yeah, just quietly got the job done. Similarly to Darnell Wright. Darnell Wright has obviously gotten a lot more praise and went to the combine, yada, yada. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely rooting for Carvin because he has kind of gotten shafted a little bit. So hopefully he gets his his due. I, I mean, I, I think he has that same potential that I just mentioned, like a Ramon Foster type of player. He mm-hmm. absolutely does. Uh, so we'll see exactly where they go. The NFL drafts in what, a few weeks, a couple of weeks in May. What did either? I think. So uh, you you went out. What is what did you say? No, I said it's in a, it's in Kansas City in a few weeks. Yes, it yeah. is. Um. We'll be watching closely, obviously, and we'll talk about it here on this show uh, and and just kind of go from there. Anything else with uh, before we get to this recruiting, Zach? No, I mean, I would, we'll see how the draft plays out. Tennessee could have three players drafted in the first round, depending on how Hooker and Hyatt go, although Jim Nagy did kind of point out this morning, Senior Bowl director, that he's hearing that most NFL teams only have one uh, wide receiver as a round graded as a round one talent, the guy from Ohio state. Again, don't really know what to make of that information this time of year. Cause there's all kinds of stuff flying around, but I wouldn't be surprised if the chiefs or somebody nab Hyatt there at the end of the first round, he'd be a perfect fit for the chiefs. I've, I've always thought that was the ideal scenario for him just because of the way that Andy Reid runs that offense. He's very innovative. We saw him use some of those switch releases, even in the Super Bowl, which Josh Eiple used with Jalen Hyatt a lot last season to get him open. So I think just some of the little similarities between the offense and the way, and obviously playing with Patrick Mahomes would be a dream for any wide receiver. I think that's one spot where he could go and have a lot of success. Man, I would love it. I want to see all these dudes get taken because if they do all get drafted in higher spots, that's really good for Tennessee's recruiting. Uh, oh, yeah. And that's what we're going to talk about right now, right after I tell you about Farm Bureau Health Plans. There's the right graphic right there. Uh, Farm Bureau Health Plans has been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. Much has changed in Tennessee over the years, but some has stayed the same. Farm Bureau Health Plans has always valued personal relationships, especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for health, dental, and vision for better coverage, better rates, and better service. Go to fbhp.com. Slash ATOZ or walk into one of their 200 plus locations across the state of Tennessee. That is FBHP.com slash ATOZ. Farm Bureau Health Plan. Support them because they support us. And go get yourself a great health plan. Now, in recruiting, it was a big week for Tennessee. I would say no single prospect that Tennessee got this week was a giant splash. But as a whole, it equaled a big week of recruiting. For Tennessee, and I think that the headliner here is 2024 offensive lineman, I believe from Fort Collins, Colorado, Gage Ginther. Then you had 2024 uh, offensive tackle Jesse Perry, and then 2025 defensive back Shamar Arnault, who committed to Tennessee. Probably not going to have a ton to say about the 2025 guy. It's just so far into the future, although a great pickup. Obviously, any defensive pickup for Tennessee at this point. Is amazing. 
and I love it. And he's the, I believe the first commit for the 2025 class. And that's great. We're probably going to concentrate more on these 2024 pickups because that class it's starting to take shape and Tennessee is a top what top seven right now. I believe they are the number seven class in America on the two, four, seven sports composite. The last time I looked um, now with those two guys in the boat, what do you think of these pickups, Zach? I mean, my view on it might not be as popular as some because I think you're getting into a, a scenario here with Tennessee where you don't you're gonna have a few of those hidden gems every every class and I trust in Josh Heupel and his staff's ability to evaluate players and bring the right guys in but ultimately I don't think you're gonna beat Georgia consistently until you're out recruiting them and some of the landing some of these lower three-star guys that might be hidden gems diamonds in the rough I just I you just I feel like you get one or two of those each class and now Tennessee's got you know three of them at the bottom of their class including two of the guys pretty much that committed this past weekend I mean they're ranked in the 700s and I know recruiting rankings aren't the end-all be-all but I don't know. Like, I'm kind of skeptical of is this enough to go beat Georgia? Because Georgia's going to have offensive linemen ranked in the top 100, and talent is talent. I, I just, I, I'm. It's hard for me to reconcile that this is going to be what it takes to beat Georgia. I would generally agree with that. Uh, I mean, somebody says it in the comments here, and it's true. Is the number one player from Colorado and Ginther. Um. But also, you you know, you take that all in totality. You are probably right. These these players are not on that same level as what Georgia's pulling in, as what Alabama's pulling in, and that you have to get those dudes to beat them consistently. Obviously, Alabama had so much more talent than Tennessee did this season, and you beat them. It's absolutely possible, and the way that Josh Heupel coaches is made to beat, to sort of play over your head. Well, yeah, I think Hypo outcoached Saban. Yes, Alabama exactly. fans might not like you, but I mean, you pretty much heard Saban say it in a sense oh. where they didn't have an answer. They made adjustments that didn't work. Kirby, yeah. on the other hand, Georgia out, you know, outcoached Tennessee that game. I don't think you can Kirby argue outsmarted. That. That's what you're about to say. I could, yeah, <laughs> I had to stop myself there. <laughs> he did. I, unfortunately, he did. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. These pickups individually, I hope that they are the diamonds in the rough. It is the number one player from the state of Colorado. That's great. I I really like the players that they are getting, and you've already seen it multiple times with Hypel, where they've gotten guys where when they first committed to Tennessee, they're like a three star, and then by the time the the end of the class came, they were rated far higher. Yeah, it's. I mean, Mr. Jones says it here. Nathan Laycock started out as a three-star, and he ended up being rated higher than some of the super highly coveted guys uh, that a lot of people Carnell Tate? Carnell Tate. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Ohio State there. Yeah, he ended up ranked higher than Carnell Tate. And, um, and that and is so, a good point. I mean, you, we yeah, do kind of have is. to wait and see how these yeah. guys finish. There, it, it is a long game as far as this goes. And the, the evaluation from Heupel and his staff so far – who am I to question it? They went eleven and two last season. What what am I supposed to say? That's was uh, was good enough for the second best record in the SEC. So I, I think that speaks for itself. But um, 
as far as that goes, to, to get back into that elite echelon, it is always going to come down to getting those elite players yeah. consistently, at least some of them. <laughs> I mean, just look at Georgia whenever Tennessee played them last season when you got massive dudes like Jalen Carter and Broderick Jones, you know, in the trenches. You have to you have to have a guy, an answer for those guys. Uh, and it's just hard unless they're those elite defensive linemen and offensive linemen. And, I mean, that's yep. what it's going to take eventually. Exactly. Now, I've I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. I might have said last week, but the fact is this: you you know you slayed the Alabama dragon, and that's great, and it's an amazing place to start. And I think it absolutely directly led A to B to some big recruiting pickups in this class. I think it absolutely did. Uh, you have to keep winning games like that, and eventually, you keep winning those games. Obviously, the recruits are going to look and they're going to go like, well. If I go to Alabama, I'm going to lose to Tennessee. So I'm just going to go to Tennessee. Eventually that will happen. And it comes down to this. And and this is true for every single team that isn't Georgia. Somebody's got to be Georgia. You you have to, you got to beat them. Because every single kid is always going to look when, when they have the choice between Georgia and whatever school you root for, if it's Tennessee or somebody else, they're always just going to go look and go, well, Georgia literally lost to no one. So I'm going to go there. Like that's the fact of the, it makes me want to crawl in a hole and vomit that Georgia is this good, but they are. You've got to land some of those elite guys from Georgia too. Like the Eric Berries that used to be at Tennessee. Like you, you can't beat, there's just not enough talent in Tennessee. I mean, there's more, more talent in Tennessee than there used to be, but it's still not the same level as Georgia. You've got to be able to get those guys, and you cannot do that until you beat Georgia. Like it's just not going to happen. To your point, why would an an in-state kid from Georgia pick Tennessee over Georgia at this point? Yeah, it it just uh, it is what it is. As frustrating as that answer may be, um, but until then, I do think that finding the diamonds in the rough, developing guys, evaluating as well as you can, because Tennessee. Largely with the resources they have, you're going to be able to win a lot of those mid-sized recruits. You are. You have incredible an incredible NIL setup. You have one of the most impressive fan bases, in my opinion, the most impressive fan base in all of college football. And that's going to sell itself. Um, but at a certain point to get to that elite status, it is beating Alabama consistently. It is not falling behind Florida or whoever else. And it is eventually beating Georgia. Obviously, that is an unbelievably tall task with the way that that team is built at the moment. But th- that is what it's going to take to get back there. But I I like where Tennessee is at recruiting-wise. It is just not, it's not blowing me out of the water, but it's not disappointing me either, at, almost at all. Obviously, it was a top 10 class. It was, what, the number 10 class, I think, in uh, on multiple platforms this last season. And so you're right there. Clemson has won national championships with talent like that, but I also mm-hmm. think that this, these Georgia teams are stacked mm-hmm. maybe even better than those Alabama teams that Clemson. Well, they're built, and George, this Georgia team's also built to beat Tennessee. I mean, I'm not saying that's why Kirby Smart built his team this way, but the way that they are built, 
I mean, it's kind of Tennessee's kryptonite. They have this just really dangerous defensive front where they can get this pressure without having to bring the extra linebackers or DBs, and they can kind of sit back in coverage and shut down that part of the game, and then they get consistent pressure. I mean, that's that's the big secret to beating Tennessee. Pittsburgh uh, used the same strategy. They just didn't have the dudes that Georgia had, and that's why Tennessee was able to beat Pittsburgh. It's the only true way to stop Josh Heifel's offense is that you have to be able to get home with four guys and four guys only you have to be able to drop back enough into coverage so that you don't just get you know cracked over the top or or whatever else josh heibel draws up there you have to just be able to get into the backfield efficiently and consistently with only four dudes uh and georgia can do that i mean again it is what it is and i hate it so much i i cannot describe to you how much i hate it because they're like to me, like Georgia's athletic program is so sorry outside of football. Like they Tennessee, Tennessee beat their basketball team by like 45 points this season. Like they're just and they were a nothing. They they went and hired, they went and hired the guy that Florida wanted to fire for basketball. Danny White's brother. <laughs> yeah. It, it is in fact, I think Tennessee has the has the superior white uh, at the moment. But <laughs> that's a funny way to say that. Uh the better white uh brother at the moment. Um but I, I don't know. Outside of beating them, I don't know how you get back into that elite recruiting spot. So we'll see. But as, as I said, I, I like where Tennessee is recruiting-wise. But does it instill confidence in me of like, oh, yeah, in three years, Tennessee is going to be right where Georgia is? No, it just doesn't. Um, and I think I don't know how anyone could say that necessarily. And that's not... Not necessarily a bad thing, um, but you just uh, eventually have to win those games, just like Heupel did this last season. I mean, we were all saying, like, eventually you're going to have to beat Alabama again. Well, he did that, and you've crossed that hurdle, and it won you recruits. Now it becomes, eventually you got to beat the guy uh, down 75. And and, and, and you, can't, you can't ignore the fact that, okay, you beat Alabama – this year's game will be another, it'll be a toss up game. You go in Tuscaloosa, it's a close game. Nobody's going to bat an eye if Alabama wins. Tennessee's proven they can also beat Alabama. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. I think the same goes for the Georgia game, even though it's in Knoxville. That Florida game in Gainesville, though, I feel like that's a must win game for Tennessee this season. I feel like to really take the program to the next level, you have to go win at Florida. You have to beat this Florida team that's not that good right now. They didn't have a great season last year. They haven't had a great offseason. They've they've done okay in recruiting. They've also had some not-so-great moments like the Jane Rashada deal. Fans are kind of still on the fence about Billy Napier. If he doesn't – if it's another six-and-six six year, I mean, Florida goes through coaches almost as fast as Tennessee. They fired Jim McElwain after back-to-back SEC East Division titles. They fi- fired Dan Mullen two years after an 11-win season. They will fire Billy Napier if he doesn't take a big step forward this season. Tennessee's lost this game many times before. They lost it when Will Muschamp was there. They lost it when Jim McElwain was there. They cannot lose that game this season if they really want to take a big step forward. So I feel like Alabama and Georgia games get a lot of attention, especially for the recruiting aspect. I think that Florida game is one that you know Tennessee fans really can't overlook. Absolutely. A little bit of a, uh, a problem for a day that's <laughs> down the road a little bit closer to the season, but Point still stands. To get to that point, you're going to have to either win those games or somehow win those battles. 
I mean, maybe just more shameless NIL spending. I don't know. Maybe that can help some. But uh, regardless, I think that is it for the football portion of the show. And we're just going to finish with a little bit of baseball talk here. Uh, Cause Tennessee, um, what's, how would you describe what's happened with this baseball team? They underwhelmed, underwhelmed all the, you know, some, some people expected this, the drop off. You lost so many players. Maybe the drop off was going to be drastic. Um, maybe not, but uh, we'll talk about it right after I tell you about our final sponsor. Superbook Sports. Uh, baseball is back. And the push for the postseason is on for hockey and hoops. Make it all count this spring with Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports is the best wagering app around with a direct line to experienced bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. Plus, get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. Don't let spring pass you by without winning money with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. That is Superbook Sports. And uh, with that said, Tennessee baseball gets waxed in the first two games against Florida. Um, after only winning one game against LSU last weekend. And after the first two games against Florida, obviously this was the games against LSU were in Baton Rouge. These games this weekend were in Knoxville and Florida just kind of punched you right in the mouth. And that's not great. But then in the third game, Tennessee run ruled Florida. Uh, so, you know, all is not completely lost there, but this far into the football season or uh, this baseball season, I would maybe like sort of a mid season review here, Zach, how are you feeling? Uh, I mean, the win on Saturday against Florida and, and the win, uh, to salvage the, the series against LSU, it kind of gives you a glimpse of how talented this team is and how good they can be. So I think there's plenty of reason for hope there. We've mentioned it before. You can look at Ole Miss last season, had a losing record in the SEC, and then they end up, you know, national champions. The regular season is not going to determine, you know, obviously from last season, Tennessee had a, a tremendous regular season, one of the best ever in college baseball. It did not end up, uh, end up very well for them. So I don't, I don't want to say that you're sinking the team at this point or you're giving up on them or anything, but there's plenty of reasons for concern. The fielding has not been great at all. It's been very frustrating to watch, just very ill-timed errors that just shouldn't happen at this level of baseball. Some of the base running mistakes, some of that's gotten better. Uh, this weekend, the, the base running really wasn't what did them in or anything like that. So there have been improvements there. And then there's just the inconsistency. I mean, you strike out what was it, 32 times in the first two games against Florida, and Tony Vitello was kind of bemoaning the the non-competitive at-bats and looking at strike three and, and just some of that stuff where it's like, where's the edge to this team that last year's team had? Last year, the team could be down by four runs in the ninth inning, and you felt like they had a good chance. And plenty of times they came back and won, tied the game, or you know, pushed it along, whatever the case may be. They just this team doesn't seem to have that same edge where they just want it. Where they're they're out there to you know in baseball you talked about going to the plate with the going to do damage type approach. They're very passive, maybe in a way. I don't know if that's the right word or not, but some of those at bats just you shouldn't have those some of these issues that they're having. And, and maybe that's a chemistry thing where there this is a new team, but it feels like by mid April some of that should be working out by now. Some good points here. In the comments, 
Eric says the baseballs are killing me. Way too many infield errors and no bats whatsoever. Kind of to your point there, Zach. Elias says knowing that the team can run rule a top five team in any given game makes it all the more frustrating. I completely agree there. Mr. Jones says, I swear Florida's first home run was foul. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I actually didn't uh, see see that game because I was on vacation, but um I I think to me the disappointment of the starting pitching outside of drew beam i think drew beam has really been he's can i go back to this some people tried to like cold take me with this a couple of weeks ago i said you know chase dolander and we talked about it on the show chase dolander had been kind of disappointing to start the season now and i said i think drew beam might be the best pitcher on this team at this point and maybe it's time to talk about him being the friday guy and shuffling the other dudes around and I tweeted that, and some people were like, no, you're stupid. That's dumb. Um, I don't know if you've been watching, but I don't want to say I told you so, but I think that I have at least proven that that should be a conversation that should happen. Um, I think a lot of people were tweeting about it over the weekend just because he was clearly the best who was out there uh, out of the three starters. Burns has been disappointing. Dolander, it hasn't been... Like, he's had some bad it's... luck too. Yeah, it... some of the fielding and some of the just some of the plays that aren't necessarily errors, but maybe should be made or a really good defensive team makes and kind of look. The best pitcher in the game often will need some of those plays over the course of a game. It's baseball, you know. Nobody goes out there yeah. dominates every every start out. So I think he's been missing a little bit of that as well. But no, he hasn't been as top five, you know, preseason pick like everybody thought he'd be. The fielding errors have made me want to pull my hair out. It makes me feel bad for the pitchers sometimes. Um, but I mean, and and like uh, you know, I don't know the exact dynamics there, but you know, Maui Ahuna basically got benched this weekend. Didn't play. Am I? I didn't miss an injury there or anything. Well, I? they. I think they did chalk that up to an injury. Okay. Okay. See, and and like like I said, I would, I was on vacation, so don't you know, don't shoot the messenger there. I was out um, of town as well, but I, I did manage yeah. to stream a, a here and there. But just the the feeling has killed me. And some some of the other in, intangible things, I guess, where you're saying they're like, where is the killer instinct? Where is the the fire like you saw? And, and maybe it really was just losing those dudes who were so, they were such powerful, like, personalities personalities i was thinking characters yeah and you Just, can't manufacture that you can't i mean they, they were absolute spark plugs some of those dudes and you just can't make that up out of thin air i think it's some of that but i still do look at this team like to a life's point there and and you look and you go okay a great baseball team is here there's a great baseball mm -hmm. team in there when they get beam on the mound and they can get the bats going a little bit they can beat anybody for sure but can they do that consistently like they did in that Texas A&M series? And you're going to Arkansas this weekend. You're playing another top, what? Yeah, 10, they've had a tough go. Team. They're top six, seven, and then Vanderbilt the week after another. It'll be the fourth straight. They'll have four straight seri weekend series against top 10 teams. That's Yeah, tough. it's crazy. That's SEC baseball. It just is yeah. what it is. But I, I would say I vote for shaking things up. Like I said, move beam to Friday, try, try something. They've been shaking up the, the batting lineup and you've seen some guys emerge at different places. Griffin Merritt really made a, 
his his surge on Sunday. And and we um, saw some of that Saturday. personality from Merritt too after that game where he talked about, hey, once this team figures it out, nobody's going to want to see us in the tournament or in Hoover. So maybe there's some of that sure. starting to come out a little bit. Maybe they're starting to find their way a little bit. So they got plenty of time. You know, they're still top. They're ranked number 16, I think, in D1's latest baseball rankings today. It's all there for them. I mean, every, all their goals are still in front of them that they want to accomplish. Yeah, just got to get their head screwed on straight. And maybe maybe something like a Griffin Merritt emerging can, can be a spark plug there. We'll see. It's almost like the same conversation as the basketball team in a way. It does feel similar because you see this team and they go and they run rule Florida and you go, okay, how, how can we not do this in every game? And that basketball team would go and beat Alabama and then they go and lose to Missouri and you go, what are yeah. we doing here? Yep. <laughs> um, And maybe, maybe to Mr. Jones here, he says they started out hot last season, didn't finish well. And maybe oh, yeah. they can flip it this season. That would absolutely. Be nice. Absolutely. I mean, those wins didn't mean it was a fun regular season, but there's no banners being hung because of last year. And they didn't get to where they wanted to be. Oh, the tournament's coming up. We'll see what they do. Uh, so there's sort of our our midseason reviews so far of a uh, a bit of a lackluster start for the baseball team, but maybe they can get it together this weekend against uh, Arkansas. Obviously, no better time than now to go and, and beat up on that team that has obviously become one of Tennessee's biggest rivals at this point. Um, all right, I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. Anything else for the fine folks at home, Zach, before he bounce? No, I look forward to seeing everybody out at the spring game. If you're out there and you see us, come say hello. Yeah, come say what's up. Hopefully, I'm not honestly don't know what kind of access we'll have. Maybe we'll be around the field, maybe just in the press box. Maybe <laughs> maybe they'll make us I'm sit not in the sure. Stands. Last year during the regular season, they, they didn't let you go on the field before the game like typically in the past you oh. could go at the end of the fourth quarter but i don't know if there'll be different rules for the spring game no we'll just have to see they have definitely in years past i want to say i covered maybe a couple for butch where we got to stand on the field the entire time and then that first one with hypel you we were in the press box primarily i i'm not sure but either way we'll be able to be there for the player or the uh the interviews afterwards whoever they end up setting out there for the interviews so and as i mentioned maybe a live spring stream maybe i don't know we'll we'll see we just gotta see the setup we may be playing it by ear but charlie burris zach reagan this is the a to z sports big orange podcast thank you thank you thank you to everybody who watched uh and uh it all i like to point out every mr jones elias eric of course big 10 jeff is here thomas uh everybody who tuned in thank you Thank you. Thank you. Even the, uh, who was, who was the guy before? Yeah. Elo. He said that, uh, that we were cool laid back guys, even though he kept insulting Tennessee fans. So, uh, Oh, Billy here. He says, go balls, go balls. Um, that's it. And we may be doing a midweek segment too. So look out for that. It's all kind of, Oh, and we're, we're probably doing a cameo on another ball show. I'll tweet about it. Uh, coming up this week it just hasn't happened yet so i don't want to blast it out there <laughs> like the the person with the show hasn't put it out there yet so i don't want to put it out there um so watch out for uh that and uh, i think that's it we will talk to y'all probably later this week see you guys later